welcome listeners to season three, episode six of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And this week, we were lucky enough to be joined by friend of the podcast, Cynthia Marie from LA by Night, who has a guilty pleasure horror series that we just love. The Purge! <laughs> Cynthia! Thank you so for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah! <laughs> Tell everybody about your projects and stuff. Where can they find you? Oh my gosh. Uh, I have a lot of projects. I'll try to keep, the, keep this as brief as possible. So you guys already introduced that I'm Melly G um, on LA by Night, but I also play the legendary character Lucida de Aragon. Um, so we're on the official White Wolf, or sorry, World of Darkness channel on Twitch. So you can find us there. Um, I also play Girasol on Sirens. You can find that on uh, Gilding Light uh, Twitch channel as well. Um, I am a co- uh, co-host of my podcast, Life Action Roleplay, where we talk about uh, LARP and give different advice or talk about different situations that happen at LARP. I'm also a staff member uh, at uh, a really large LARP in Southern California called Twin Mask. It's a fantasy LARP. This one's really fun. I played official canon character Cora Malfoon on D&D's live reality uh, roleplay. So that was really fun to, to play nice. in. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, you guys could probably know me from a bunch of different one-shot live streams, including uh, Hunter's Entertainment, Altered Carbon, and Teens in Space. I've also been on the Scabby Rooster as uh, Aether House's uh, staff member, our teacher. You could just... It's all over the place. Well, you guys can check out my socials later. You can find out what my new project is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's how we met you, was from our charity stream of uh, Vampire the Masquerade for Vancouver by Night, which we kept talking about last season. You're such a good Lachita. (laughs) Thank you. You know, it was my second time playing her. The first time I actually played her as... um, and like modern day time. So that was like a whole like different like spin on how that character is. Cause she, she's very old vampire for people <laughs> yeah. who may not know. Um, and she spans a long time. So whenever going into play her, like I've always got to be like, so what part of her life am I playing? Because <laughs> it, it really does dictate like um, some of the things that she, she would say or know or do. So the first time I played her, um, she was a relatively new kindred, which was fun. So, um, I did have all of her badass powers. Um, <laughs> I imagine dealing with all us young vampires was kind of annoying for her. I would say I, I'm happy that I like to tout myself as a nice player because I didn't want to kill anyone. But good Lord, Lucina, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think we would have we would have understood. I, think. I mean, you, <laughs> Kelly, almost killed one of our PCs uh, when he was playing an NPC. Yeah. The, the <laughs> epilogue has been buck wild, so I'm excited. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but enough about vampires, because we're here to talk about The Purge, which is not vampires at all. But Ew. first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be elegant, flowery, and spineless, just like the people that do the purge. <laughs> or I guess they are brave, but you know, whatever. No. <laughs> Full cowardice. <laughs> this episode will contain discussion on current events, including COVID-19 and the Black Lives Matter movement, as well as racism and classism. So if any of these things are something that you don't need to hear right now, we totally understand. Feel free to skip this episode. So I lied a bit by saying that... 
we made the drink because yeah. we, in fact, did not make this drink. We specifically did not. No. No. It's from a friend of the podcast, Jack, who I believe got it from a local bar. I think we also mentioned something he gave us last season. Yeah. And it's taken us months to scrounge together the necessary components to make this one. <laughs> But reading the bottle, I thought it was perfect for the purge. I'm calling this one the blue flower martini. It is a martini in and of itself. But I thought that because it has so many like floral things in it in the pre-mixture that it would work out for us. And I added some rose water to it to make it extra flowery. My glass has a bug in it. I would not recommend that as one of the ingredients. Oh, no. Uh, I got it. Nice. But yeah, this is definitely the main ingredient is gym. Yeah. This is a martini. Yeah. I do not feel any flowers. <laughs> and I'm sad now. <laughs> uh, I can pick up on it. It is mostly gin. But what was the we had another one last season that Jack gave us. And it also had a similar vibe of like it's mostly the alcohol you put in it with like a tint, a tint of the flavor. And I think the flower is very subtle in this one. Right. But in a good way, I mean, heck, I like gin. I mean, I added rose to make it extra flowery, but I still feel rose water, but I still feel like it's not there. But I can't really smell or taste. So who <laughs> am I to say? This is a good summer drink because it's very refreshing and is intended to be served extremely chilled. I do like how cold it is. Yeah, we had to put it in the freezer as the instructions that I got from Jack. So I like that it's very cold because... As we mentioned, it's very, very hot here. I don't know why I'm going more Canadian as I talk about this. <laughs> oh, oh, geez, eh? it's very hot down here up here. So, uh. but this week we watched a movie that did not affect Canadians. It's The Purge from 2013. It premiered on June 7th of that year, and it's written and directed by James DeMonico. It stars Ethan Hawke as wealthy father James Sandin, Lena Headey as Mary Sandin, the wife of the family, and Edwin Hodge as the bloody stranger who takes refuge in their home. This synopsis was ripped off of IMDb from Claudio Carvalho. Thank you, Claudio. I feel every time that I see him, I want to say friend of the podcast, but you don't know who we are. He, he's our friend, but... <laughs> We're not it's necessarily a parasocial his... relationship. Yeah. In 2022, the United States of America celebrates once a year the purge, a 12 hour period when any crime is allowed, including murder. The result is economical growth and a society free of homeless, sick and unproductive persons. James Sandin is a successful salesman that sells security systems for houses. He lives with his wife, Mary, and his teenage son, Charlie and daughter, Zoe, in a fancy house in the suburbs. During the purge, James seals his house and plans to watch a movie with his family. However, Charlie sees a stranger fleeing from a group that is hunting him down and he disarms the security device and lets the man in. But the leader of their group gives an ultimatum to James. If he does not deliver the man to the group, they would kill the whole family. Now James has to find where the man is hidden and decide his fate. Dun, dun, dun. Thank 
you, Claudio. To wrap up here, we have the family trying to find the bloody stranger while dealing with the purgers outside. James's son has a remote control camera car, very creepy, which allows him because it, it's creepy because it's there's basically like, something Sid would make from yeah, Toy Story. Exactly. This car allows him to help the stranger and show him where to hide. Eventually, after much back and forth, James decides that he can't give up his this innocent black man to the purgers. They break in and start terrorizing the family. Chaos ensues, and when all seems lost thankfully their neighbors appear and kill off the remaining purgers but surprise they are here to kill the sandin family due to jealousy of james making so much money off of selling them security systems thankfully the bloody stranger saves the day by killing one of the men and mary decides to spare the rest of them everyone sits at the dining room table waiting for the purge sirens to blast signaling the end of this traumatic event Hit me with that trailer audio. Tonight allows people a release for all the hatred and violence that they keep up inside them. Why don't you guys kill someone tonight? Because we don't feel the need to, Johnny. Just remember all the good the purge does. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge at the siren. All emergency services will be suspended for 12 hours. Your government thanks you for your participation. Our target for this year's purge is hiding in your home. You have one hour to find him and give him to us, or we'll kill all of you. That was a pretty good trailer. I liked it. It gave me goosebumps, even though I've already (laughs) seen the movie. It felt really long, but I guess it was a trailer, not a teaser. Yeah. But I don't know. Something about it was just kind of felt like lagging i think i would have preferred to just watch a trailer not for this but i imagine if i saw a trailer i would be more excited teaser teaser that's the word i was looking for this is just straight liquor yeah (laughs) it's going all the way through to kelly's brain but it also was one of those things where it showed a lot of the action of the movie maybe too much i don't know it's it definitely takes away the all, all the action of like the purgers coming into their house yeah. is revealed, which is kind of like the big the big climax is that they break into the house. That they do it. Yeah. Then it's revealed in the trailer. So you're like, oh, well, it's eventually going to happen anyways. I don't know. I just didn't really like the trailer that much. That's fair. I liked the beginning, how it was like, America is amazing. Look at all this propaganda. Yeah, it kind of felt like a uh, drug ad. Are you having problems with your erection? (laughs) Well, the purge will help. 99% of Americans who do the purge get an erection. Contact your doctor if it lasts for too long. It's kind of awful to think about like only 1% of the world or the population is unemployed. I'm like, yeah, because you fucking murdered them all. killed all of them. Oof. Maybe do what Sweden does and give money to people that need it. Yeah. Well, let's get into our discussion and bring back (laughs) Cynthia Marie. Watching The Purge, I've seen it before, but watching it again now for the podcast, it's like a very interesting time to be watching a film that um, has so much awfulness in it that we're seeing in real life. Yeah. Which is ironic because it came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. And then it said that this is the year 2022. And I'm like, oh, man, you're only two years off. <laughs> yeah, there's that like whole opening sequence of like video of past purges and stuff. And it just felt like watching the news in 2020 a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's the whole part at the end, too, where like the rich people are like surrounding the family and they're basically like reciting the Pledge of Allegiance 
Like I even started yeah. doing the Pledge of Allegiance and I was like, oh God, this is exactly how, like I lived in oh, yeah. Vegas for two years and oh, you yeah. immediately get indoctrinated into like recite our doctrines and like kill these people, but you have to be patriotic while doing it. And yeah. yeah. So I don't know <laughs> if you guys, like if you guys knew where they, the location was shot, but to me, I have to look up exactly, but I think they were shooting in Palm Springs. Mm. And I don't know how much you guys know about Palm Springs. Um, Not fill us in. So it's a, it's like totally the, the beautiful capital of uh, gay pride. Woo! Yeah. Um, but what it, what it is, it, it's, it's actually just a very rich uh, retiree uh, type town. The mayor back when I was younger was Sonny Bono. And I don't know if anyone who oh, knows Sonny Bono. I that sounds familiar. I've heard that name before. <laughs> so Sonny and Cher. Oh. There we go. <laughs> a fa- famous singer. So he was the mayor of Palm Springs. So if you just imagine, it's like a very upscale, kind of stuck in like retro 1960s, gorgeous place. Indian Wells is right next to it. And so that's where they play uh, one of like the big tennis matches. Um, okay, yeah. I'm not a big tennis person. My whole family is. So like everybody knows <laughs> about it. But like if anybody understand, uh, knows Indian Wells, like right next door. So basically it's just like bougie, posh city. So it's really interesting and it's hot. So like right now I'm in LA and it's about 106 degrees, which I think uh, the conversion is 40 Celsius for you guys. Yeah, yeah. that's right. 46 Celsius. Okay, double that number. And that's how much hotter it gets in Palm Springs. So the reason why I want to bring that up though is because we start talking about the idea of like these people um, killing each other out of rage or jealousy or anger. But add the heat of like 116 degrees. Your brain's just oh, melting. Man, yeah. It I'm already going a little element. crazy right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, the purge is what in March. It's like March 23rd or something like yeah. that is when they did it. So in Palm Springs at that time, you're kind of closer to the 70, 80 mm. um, degrees. Very hot and very sweaty even in March. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's I a reason they probably do it at night so that people mm-hmm. are more willing to go outside and not stay inside with AC. They yeah. got to clean their streets of humans. It's yeah. they lay it on so thick. So depressing. And it's we treat our homeless people. I mean, we Kelly and I live downtown in Vancouver and there are a lot of homeless people here and I can't imagine having well, I mean, the purge is like a whole other story, but even now just like with COVID going on, like not having a home, not having a place to wash your hands like yeah. oh not boy. having access to masks or anything but now they're gonna just kill everybody to yeah. get rid of them That's the solution fine. is just to to let out the beast i think is what they said yep yeah which is very vampire the masquerade <laughs> <laughs> that's coincidental isn't it <laughs> yeah i've got a point about it later on about the prediction of future events but it is very much we're like living in the time where it's not inconceivable that the next step is the purge. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I really I really hope not because there's got to be some real like bad stuff that has to happen for that many people to turn off their morality to go and try to kill people. The day that the purge happens, why don't you just leave United States? We were yeah. talking about that, too, especially like with this family, the Sandins, I think their name is. Yeah. Yes. They're rich as fuck. Mm-hmm. They could totally have like a luxury vacation away, but they choose to stay at home. And the dad knows that his security system isn't even that great. Yeah, I th- it's almost what like the hell? it's like the the naivete or like overconfidence of the that especially that area where they're like, it doesn't even yeah. happen here. So we don't need to leave. And it's like 
the the white privilege idea of like, well, sure, it can happen to other people, but we're safe in our neighborhood and we've got this security system, so we don't have to go on vacation. We just stay here. Yeah. So what's interesting to me, so like that family, right? So they're a nuclear family, son, daughter, and two parents who seemingly love each other, right? Mm-hmm. You get a glimpse of like the the rebellious daughter and the creeptastic son. Yeah. We'll talk about that one oh, later. Oh, man. Creeptastic. But so like everything seems to be like nice and, and well with everyone, but like you start seeing the cracks pretty early on, um, which I thought was, was fascinating. Um I don't like the dad so much. Just he was just too cocky for me. Yeah. I don't and think you're like, supposed to like any of them really. Like they all have that like stink of wealth and privilege. Yeah. I actually like the mom. I like Mary Sandin. Um I really love the story arc that they kind of gave her of just being kind of she I, they didn't indicate that she was a stay-at-home mom, but for lack of a better term, stay-at-home mom, or she was at least yeah. home earlier than than her husband. Yeah. Um, and she's the one who bears the the mental load on having to take care of the family and the husband and probably work because that's how American women do this shit nowadays. Yep. (laughs) In the early parts, she was like, can't we stay civil and stuff? Like telling the daughter not to say penis and stuff like that. But that, that to me kind of like marked her where it's like, you know, that tonight's going to be people just massacring each other and like doing all these horrible crimes. But the thing you're worried about is your daughter saying penis it's like mm-hmm. you're, she was so ignorant of what was going on that I think that kind of like immediately killed it for me. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. So I, I guess I appreciated her kind of trying to shield her, her children and trying to shield them from like this really harsh reality. And then that whole reality just like just shattering and it like coming to her front door. And now she has to play this matriarch who's a who has to protect her family like that's to me is like kind of kind of crazy and she also does take a step against her husband when it comes to the bloody stranger and what to do with him because her husband was all about like let's just the scene where he's uh taping him down and like makes his wife stab him again in his own (laughs) wound Yeah, um, that that was awful. But she makes him realize like we we still have our humanity. We still have morals. Mm -hmm. We can't do this. And I thought that was really cool to see because you love someone. You don't want to really push back against them. But yeah, sometimes you got to man. She definitely was the voice of reason and like the best person there in the end. Well, technically, the best person was her son. That's true. Yeah, because he was the one who uh, basically kickstarted the whole movie with the moral conundrum of do you let someone scream for their life or do you help them? Mm-hmm. That's true. Which obviously we should all know the answer to that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the, the help one, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Just, yeah, I, it, I knew it. it. I was one. just, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is certainly helping somebody when they're screaming for their life. Yeah. And to me, like, you know, you could totally go with, um, what is it? The alignment of each of the family members. Mm. <laughs> so definitely this kid is, is probably chaotic. Good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think his mom is probably lawful. Good. Yeah. Yeah. The dad's almost like lawful evil. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Just, like, yeah, <laughs> definitely lawful evil. And so like, I don't know. I just, I find it very fascinating how each of those characters had to interact with the certain situations. Um, but like the reason why I love the perch so much is that it's not technically, I mean, it's technically a horror movie, but like it puts you in these moral situations or conundrums 
And you, like, to me, it's just fascinating, like how people would choose to do certain things or choose not to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I also like The Walking Dead or any any psychological thriller that really kind of pits you into this like against killer mindset, like survival. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I agree. I mean, that's always the best part of zombie movies is like not the the mutant people running after you wanting to eat you, but like, what are you willing to do? Yeah, yeah. I love zombie movies. That's my favorite genre. Uh, My other point that I wanted to kind of dissect was Henry and Zoe's relationship. Because that boy is creepy as fuck. And it just like. He tells her he just like starts spewing these lies, but it's even before he starts lying about like, I just need to talk to your dad. He doesn't even want to say I love you to her. He's like, let's just roar. Yeah, because I can't bear to tell you I love you. What, <laughs> what the hell? I don't know how. Does anyone know how old she actually is? She's in high school. Yeah. So he's a predator. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah he fully intends just to kill her dad and then she'll be grateful and want to date him still because he killed his, her dad. Like what was his, what was his goal there? What was the end game? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And honestly, I think the reasoning is very, very flawed as well. I think uh, that that's attributed to just poor writing skills at that point. Mm. <laughs> like it was just, it was just shallow of like, I'm going to kill your dad because uh, he doesn't want us to date. Like, no, nah, come on, dude. Like got to have a better reason yeah. for that. You know? I yeah. think the first time I th- saw it, I thought he would like have some ulterior motive. Like, Oh, your dad's security system failed and my family got killed. And I never told you or something like that, but it was literally yeah. like, I have a backstory. Yeah. Something. <laughs> but then he also gets killed immediately, which I guess is as deserving of the depth of his character is like he was super shallow. He gets maybe 10 minutes into this movie before dying. Yeah, which then starts the whole thing of uh, Zoe just like running through her home, not wanting to be with her mom. And like while there's a a stranger in their house, like you don't know if that stranger is dangerous. That was so weird. Zoe's whole character arc is weird. I really don't like her character. I, I don't. Honestly, I just, I don't like weak women. And again, it's attributed to the writing style of whomever was writing the script or writing the story. It's just weak overall. I would have appreciated her having the moment of grabbing the gun and maybe trying to kill her dad. Mm -hmm. Right? Like her boyfriend died. Her dad shot him. He's now trying to like send this man to his death. It would have been good. Because like, yeah, her whole thing at the end is like she gets to kill the the leader of the the other people which like yeah by that point they're not even the main enemy anymore so it's like just cathartic that she gets to kill him even though they didn't even really interact at all it was like i don't know and i like to think that this series does get better writing later on because i feel like better writers were more attracted to the idea and what it's it's potential this definitely feels like a short film idea at best yeah Yeah. no i definitely um when i first watched the movie of course you know i'm a person of color i'm I'm puerto rican um so it was a little bit hard for me to watch a full white family go through this because my mind the entire time was like well yeah but i mean i would like to see what happens in the city because i don't think that this situation is really gonna like really hold up right like that family would not do well in the sequel. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> For sure. 
they would die real fast. Yeah. That's kind of where my mind was at, but I was hopeful. Like I really, I wanted to explore the world of the purge more rather than like the Sandin family, like give a crap about the Sandin family. <laughs> but like, why did the founding fathers decide to do this? And you don't actually get that answer until the fourth movie. I think the first purge is a, is a fourth movie that comes out. Keepers. So the purge was 2013. The purge anarchy was 2014. So that's when they were in the city. Um, in, in the, yeah, the, it was downtown LA. Let's be real. <laughs> downtown LA. Um, the purge election year is supposed to be Washington DC, but they also cut in downtown LA. Just <laughs> been that out there too. And then the first purge was 2018. So that's the one where they go back to the very oh, beginning. Okay. The very so we might not have as, seen first purge then. So that's the one with the, um, the black light and, um, the infrared, um, glasses. Yeah. That's, I have no idea. I've, we're just going to have to watch him again, I guess. <laughs> so that's when you find out that it was an experiment to, uh, to see something. I won't spoil it for people. Yeah. Um, but there was an experiment that happened and a lot of people disagreed with that particular experiment, mm-hmm. but I don't understand how they got from that one to the four founding fathers. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm hoping for a, another one in the series so that it like connects everything yeah. and you, like, understand the Flesh timeline. Flesh it all out. I mean, I'm sure yeah. we're going to s- find out in the next month or two. <laughs> Just IRL. <laughs> <laughs> I think, the world! Oh, I think 2020 might actually be a sequel to the Purge series, so we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> Without the mass killing. Anyways, back to the fun movie we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but that was my main point. So, uh, Cynthia, did you have any like discussions that you wanted to bring forward? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, uh, we already talked about Mary Sandin, which was my my favorite character. Again, like I really liked her going from this like soft hearted mother to like this badass matriarch. Like her line at the very end was she sitting at the head of the table. Like that whole scene really was like really powerful. So, for me. yeah, for so sure. good. Yeah. For lack of a better term, because this is horrible, the bitch sitting next to her, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> who decided to come into her house because she was jealous of her, basically yells at Mary Sandin to just get it over with. In which case, like she, I think she hits her over the head or something. She like, like slams that, her face into the table. Yeah, 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 breaking so her nose. That was like that was a badass moment of like I am exercising restraint enough to just break your nose so you can shut the fuck <laughs> up and get the hell out of my house. There's like two so, minutes left of the purge at that time when yeah. she's like, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love the characters that exercise restraint um, in, in this entire movie. But the thing that I want to talk about y'all, like, so I used to do stunt fighting back in the day. I trained for, for three years as a, as a sword performer. We got to talk about the girl weed wielding the ax. Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. Has anyone picked up an ax before? Yes. I have. Yes. We're from, uh, redneck areas of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well then that shit. It's heavy, right? Yeah. <laughs> How the hell was she able to like swing it around? So much. It was yeah. very uh, acrobatic <laughs> or aerial. I was, I was very, very angry about that situation, especially because in our training, like the first thing that you talk about is the weight of the sword. So like uh, actual, I don't want to call it prop swords, but fight swords are made usually out of aircraft aluminum or steel. You hear, you'll hear the terminology of like live steel, in which case you back away because like, you know, mm. like those are heavy ass weapons. They're not edged by any means. So stunt people aren't um, hurt. 
I work with or worked with uh, aircraft aluminum, so mine are pretty light. So when you talk about the weight of of your weapon, you actually have to act out if it's like heavy for you. So like broadswords, if you ever watch a movie and you see somebody wielding a broadsword and A, they're using one hand, B, they're twirling it, they are doing it wrong. That's like one of Char's biggest pet peeves, not even just swords, but like when people pick up boxes that are supposed to be filled or like grocery bags, coffee coffee cups. cups. Yeah, I call that out all the time i hate so that obnoxious. so with the girl with the with the axe i was just like that was lazy choreography y'all like that's supposed to be a lot heavier a lot i mean she was accurate with it like which would be impressive i know <laughs> i'm not accurate with a fucking axe like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm screwed so i i had to call that out the choreography was cool but ugh, i lost my suspension of disbelief for that she had to be like the that, baby doll killer motif so like swinging an axe around all playfully had to be part of her character i guess but they could have given her a machete i get yeah the other people other women did have machetes yeah the dual wielding yeah. machete girl was cool also really stupid i don't know like i'm, I'm gonna talk about the costumes real quick because it's kind of like yes go mad. for it the girls in the ballet shoes. I'm also a dancer, as you could probably see. Oh, viewers can't see, but I have my first point shoes like hanging on my wall behind me. Um, these girls were wearing ballet shoes. They're like like tiny leather. Like <laughs> if you stepped on anything like a nail or broken glass, your foot is fucked. <laughs> and they're like outside. Even before a purge starts, I would never wear my dance shoes outside. Yeah. Let alone any of that. Like yeah. I was walking around in tactile gear, like full on like both <laughs> My hair pulled back in a ponytail, brass knuckles, like uh, like. Dude, we're going like full battle mode if I had to be out in the city. Now, let's be real. Like if I was really in this like movie, I would be finding like a shelter or a bunker or tickets to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was something that Kelly, you brought that up, too, of like what happens to Canada during this? Yeah. I imagine that the borders just they probably have like a wall built on the borders now when America's like purge time. All the other countries are like, all right, walls up. <laughs> Please help us. Like is, Al- <laughs> is Alaska part of the purge? Like, yeah, I guess. Part of the US, part of, I mean, yeah. really, how effective is a wall in the US? <laughs> like I imagine Canada's heavily defending their borders. Cause it's, it's hinted, like not even hinted. It's like said that America's the only country doing the purge. So like yeah. every other country probably just looking and being like, okay, well don't come to our country I guess for 12 hours, our borders are closed. Okay. So if the borders are closed, I would charter a boat. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to do it on the day. Just do it before. Yeah. Go to Canada for mm-hmm. a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, or it's, anywhere. it's one of those things where like the entire intent of the purge is to kill the, the sick and the poor. So they, they don't exactly do have the privilege to leave the country. So I feel like the yeah. richer people who could afford to leave probably don't even worry about it. This is probably oh, a very rare occasion where a rich white family in the suburbs gets massacred. Well, in the second movie, you see, uh, well, they're not rich, but you see a white couple like who get screwed over. I don't like what. You, so, oh, you guys don't you guys don't live in Los Angeles. But like, so the big thing during Halloween is Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. Um, you could probably watch it on YouTube. Just like look at the walk around mazes, but they've they use the purge quite a bit for Halloween Horror Nights, and I I won't be surprised if if they have Halloween Horror Nights based off of COVID. Yeah. So yeah, the purge guys, like it it's a good movie. I I like the the franchise a lot. I would love to see more from from the world and like why it got created, and like I wish like a really good writer would just like jam on it and like make the lore behind it because. 
it is an interesting conundrum to to deal with it. Like, okay, so here's a question for you guys. If you lived in the purge life and you felt the need to purge, what would you do? Steal money. I would. Oh, yeah. I would like. Rob. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm a programmer, so I would learn how to like hack into some organization's like bank account or something and try uh-huh. to steal it on the time of the purge so that we're good for the rest of the year. That'd be nice. That's about accurate. Like on, that was the first thing I like really thought about, like in, in that world, like, okay, God, like if I, if I, you can get away with anything, right. Like, and I had to live in that world, like legit would probably like figure out how to do that. Yeah. Which I believe like probably people are doing like the folk of obviously the focus is on the like horrible class structure that the purge has caused, but there are probably just like white collar workers. Like, yeah, I stayed at work late the night of the purge and just just embezzled the fuck out of our company. I think they talk about that in a couple of a um, couple of the movies. I feel like purge anarchy. They might talk about it mm. a little bit. It's interesting, too, though, because what about like the time that it took you to learn and plan what you were going to do? Isn't that that is not during the purge? And isn't that in and of itself illegal? I don't know. Like premeditated stuff? Yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah. But th- that kind of, it just pokes a hole in the system because everyone that's yeah. like premeditating, murdering their boss or whatever, it's the same thing. Yeah, the guy on the radio being like, my boss has it coming. It's like, that's conspiracy to murder my dude and it's not the purge yet, yeah. so. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, so one of the lead characters in Anarchy and then he's the lead in Election Year, um, he comes out with like a full on like armored car, like assault rifles, like all this kind of stuff. So like clearly that was premeditated. Yeah. But then you could also but- say that like NRA people are like that is like, why do you have assault rifles galore? It's like, to, yeah, to purge, obviously. Well, then that's premeditated, isn't it? I th- it and again, I yeah. think like the government probably just doesn't care about that degree where it's like, as long as we the purge is successful in our regards and stocks are going up, we don't care yeah, what people right. are, are planning to do. Let's really talk about this. Like how much therapists must be making bank yeah. in that universe. Like all the people like now with PTSD about the purge or like, do you think therapists must encourage you to purge? Like they're probably saying like you have a bunch of rage issues. Just wait until March. We'll deal with it then. And then, like, kill your family. It'll be fine. And then afterwards, we'll talk about it. Do you think that's what a therapist would say? In this fucked up universe? Probably. (laughs) You got a lot of anger building up. You should massacre people in March. And then that'll help you. Let's take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. First off, all the information you could ever need about us, including merch, is in our website, drinkingandscreaming.com. If you want to help support the show and get some awesome rewards like stickers, coasters, bonus episodes, and more, go to patreon.com slash drinkandscream. That's where you can vote on our Patreon poll and tell us what we should watch next. And you can listen to our new bonus episode series called Pre-Fear where we chat about movies that we haven't seen yet. Whoa. Whoa, that we're doing for the podcast, not just in general. (laughs) You know what I haven't seen? Yeah. (laughs) I haven't technically seen Citizen Kane, but I ain't going to talk about it. (laughs) This season 
episode of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by Evil Amy's Terror Shop, who provided us with some amazing goodies to talk about on our episodes. Today, I'm going to chat about some of their Halloween shot glasses. I am so in the Halloween spirit, and these bad boys are perfect to help get me in the mood. They have this like orange ombre on them, and they say, drink up, witches. (laughs) I'm all for the tacky, awesome sayings. Like, I love cool shit like this in my house. I mean, probably by September, we're going to start putting our Halloween stuff up. So it's perfect. It'll fit perfect with our aesthetic. Yeah. This episode's going to come out in September, which is why I put the Halloween shot glasses as the ad. Hell yeah. You can buy all their products. They ship globally at evilamysterrorshop.com. Cynthia, tell everybody where they can find you. Hey guys, I'm Cynthia Marie. You guys can find me on Twitter at Cindancer or on Instagram, Cynthia underscore underscore Marie. And you can check out my next projects there. Yay. Bab, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream on Facebook at drink and scream. You can email us at drinking and screaming at gmail.com. You can join our discord, which is bit.ly slash hopped up discord. You can hang out with all our other podcast friends. It's season three. It's time for a new sponsor. Do you smell that? The thick fog in the air, suffocating and muddied. Do you hear that? The creaking boards of the boathouse, the wet crackling of pine needles beneath your cold feet. Do you see that? The dim pulsating glow of the gas lamp, hanging up, just out of reach. What sort of lakeside terror is this? Well, it's a candle. A candle for horror fans. A candle from Liz's Horrifying Candle Co. Shop now on horrorcandles.com with the code DRINKSCREAM10 for 10% off your first purchase of three or more candles. So this is a brand new sponsor that we got, and I found them on Instagram, fell in love, reached out, and they wanted to sponsor with us. And my favorite part is that these bad boys are handmade with soy wax, which makes them safe for your little fur babies. I feel like it's not well known that you shouldn't use petroleum candles if you have animals, because it's basically like smoking packs of cigarettes in their face. So we're really keen on what candles are made of because we do love candles. So these are going to be safe for Buddy. They're going to be Buddy approved. Wink. Get 10% off, bro. Drink Scream 10. At HorrorCandles.com. Back to the episode. So interesting. So the we talked about the flowers. We brought up the flowers. Um, kind of wanted to touch base on that. What do you guys what do you guys think about the whole flower situation? Oh yeah. This is actually my first point that I have written down is about the flowers. Well, there we go. What a good segue. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea that you put out flowers to say that you like support the purge kind of feels like when corporations do like the pride branding during Pride Month, or even like Black Lives Matter, where it's like we support all of this and the bare minimum that we're doing is just saying that we support it so like the families that put out the blue flowers to be like yeah we're all for the purge probably don't expect any anything to happen to them or them for even having to do anything mm-hmm. so like especially with this family who was like yeah got the flowers put them out everything's fine and dandy the moment that their walls come crashing down it's probably an entirely different story like nobody in that house probably supports the sp- the purge anymore after what happened to them. And they're just, in general, putting out the flowers. I mean, if you don't put out the flowers, I'm sure your home will become a target. But just the act of being complicit in mass murder is what you're doing when you put out those flowers. Yeah, and like if if a corporation didn't do like pride branding during Pride Month, they would probably get like 
emails being like, why don't you support pride? So it definitely just the whole flowers just felt kind of like virtue signaling, especially under just the context of this first movie. So interesting for me, I, I, I work a full time corporate job. And when it came to Black Lives Matter, it was a very interesting reverse that I've seen with with my company. I work for a very conservative medium. I, I work in aerospace. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Okay. So very conservative type people who who work there. And when everything happened um, a couple months back, they did something that I never thought they would do. They actually held various staff meetings for people to actually actually talk about their feeling about black lives. So based on what you said about the whole like corporations just putting stuff out there to show that they show support, but they're not really doing anything. I feel you on that to a certain level. And that's because of my experience with what happened there. Now, I granted, I'm a Puerto Rican woman. I keep saying it. We consist of black, white, and Thayuno Indian. And it's really hard for me um, because I'm not, I'm not Hispanic enough. I'm not Indian or native enough. I'm not, uh, European enough and I'm not black enough. So when everybody was talking about like everything, like I just, I couldn't comment because I was just having such a hard time dealing with my internal emotions about what was going on. But back to the point, I thought it was very fascinating that my corporation decided to go against what they normally do, which is to basically say like, yeah, we support you and kind of move on kind of like what you were suggesting, Kelly, but they really took the time to hear people out and listen to what was going on. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, to me, that was like really huge. Like they did it, they do it for pride. Like we had, we have, um, employee resource groups, ERGs, where, uh, we have like, um, African-American ones. We have like the Hispanic Ola one. We have a, uh, pan Asian, we have pride. So I'm actually part of the, the pride, uh, ERG at work. Cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> I am, I am a huge ally. If you haven't noticed, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, they, I mean, so they, they, they have discussions and, um, and talks. Like I actually got to go, I went to one of the talks, uh, for a, a transitioning woman, which was really rare to, to see, especially like I said, where I, where I work. Yeah. So I, I loved that talk. I thought, I thought it was amazing, but they're usually isolated in places, right? Like go, go take your lunchtime and go learn about trans society. Yeah. You know, go take your lunch and, and learn about X, Y, and Z. So when they, for lack of a better term, forced us to talk about what was going on in this world was a very, very different and awesome experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's, cool. That's rare. I'm so, glad that that yeah. happened for you. Yeah. 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 It, it was huge. Again, I, I wasn't able to participate because it happened like immediately, like all the like protests and riots happened and they're like, let's talk about your feelings. And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I feel. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time articulating. Like I knew how I felt, but like I, I had a hard time articulating myself. So I actually wrote my boss like a really big letter about it later on and, and, and how I felt about the situation. And I thought it was really cool that they did that. But yeah, so I'm not quite sure that the flowers are just a complicit idea to just fall, like fall in line. Mm -hmm. um, How do you feel about them? I feel like that there are a sense of protection. Okay. Right. Like, so as somebody who would want to protect her house at all costs, I would put the flowers out just so somebody would leave me the hell yeah. alone. Yeah. Right. So like. So I'll, I'll, I'll use the, the, the PG or the G version. When Halloween happens, I hate when kids come to my door. <laughs> so I usually put the bucket of candy and I turn off all of my, put the bucket of candy outside, turn off all of my lights. So like I'm complicit or like I'm putting it out there saying like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
have fun, <laughs> have a candy, leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's probably how I would I would treat that situation too. Put the flowers out and literally like just sit by my door with like a shotgun rifle and be like, you fucking come to my house, I'm gonna kick your ass. Like, yeah. I mean, even the like the so. kids that came by and were like, we see that you're one of us because you live in this nice house and you've support our uh, right to purge because you've put the blue flowers out. We don't want to yeah. hurt one of us. So just give us the, the bloody stranger and, or the swine yeah. that he kept calling them. Yeah. Oof. Uh, and we'll, so it, it like works, especially in this neighborhood where it's like, they see that the blue flowers are out and they're like, Oh, these, these are purge allies over here. Let's not hurt them. But so hold on, Let, let's go back to that, that system. Like, so like that whole door scene, why didn't he just put guns on his door and just shoot him? I, again, I think it's like a, like a It'll privilege never thing. happen to us. Yeah. Like it's the idea that it's, it never happens in our neighborhood. We're super safe because we've got the like security theater set up on our house and we're not targets because we're not minorities basically. But if they felt like that, then why even put the system in the first place? Because he says it is the security theater of like someone just sees that it, it's a bit hard to get into our house. They're not going to be, they're not going to want to do it. Which like I've heard people like getting the stickers for security systems because they can't afford a security system and just putting the sticker yeah. on their window mm -hmm. to make people yeah, I've heard think that. that they have it. Think, yeah. yeah. So I think it is just definitely like an overconfidence of security where he's like the moment that they see a we have the blue flowers, B, we have a security system and C, it never happens in our neighborhood to begin with that. They're just like, well, mm -hmm. we're good. We don't need guns or flamethrowers or spike traps. Or comical yeah. uh, dangling pianos that we drop on people that come by our door. <laughs> My last point, uh, we kind of almost talked about it in the beginning, but it's the idea that like I've seen more and more posts recently of like people posting like, oh, X show. I can't believe they predicted the our future so the much. Simpsons yeah, the Simpsons. Lot, yeah. There's like an episode of Star Trek, apparently, where they go to 2020 and it basically looks like what it looks like now. And I just wanted to get up on my soapbox and be like, the writers of these shows can see what's happening. And like these predictions have been made. It's the people in power that don't listen to them and don't address them. So like the idea that like people are like, oh, the writers of The Simpsons are psychic or like, oh, man, I can't believe what a coincidence it is that they figured that they guessed this. It's like, no, they listened to people who predict these things and like it's bound to happen and nobody did anything and i just i i get so frustrated when i see posts that are like oh my god they're psychic and it's like no they just fucking listened <laughs> yeah <laughs> like the the um, purge is so dangerously close to where we are now and it's like oh yeah. my god i can't believe they guessed it it's like no they just took projections and listen to professionals that knew what was going to happen if if unchecked yeah i think that the most recent one uh, example of that is v, v for vendetta oh yeah a lot of people were looking at that and i just recently rewatched it because i was just like all right let me like remember what the hype is <laughs> it's pretty darn close yeah. like i mean it has its elements but let's be real people who are predicting i air quote predicting what's going to happen in the future like we've all heard the term like history is doomed to repeat itself so if you look at history yeah. <laughs> you kind of can guess what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. V for Vendetta is a good example because I keep hearing people being like, yeah, like it's so inspiring because any of us could be V. And it's like, well, he had superpowers. So <laughs> not yeah. really. Like, I don't think you can dodge it daggers. Was, <laughs> it was a comic book yeah. first, y'all. Like <laughs> or like people showing the Watchmen TV show where like the cops in that show basically look exactly like the cops now. And it's like, like, like you said, it's like those 
probably are very similar costumes to like history. People are just going to keep doing the same thing. But also the, that's a show about superheroes. So if, yeah. if you develop superpowers, please be the one to help us, I guess. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into our next section of recommended viewing. Woo! It's time to open the Reconomicon. I'll go first. I'm going to recommend watching The Strangers from 2008 because it has... It doesn't have the political spin that the Purge series does, but it does have creepers and masks chasing you, slaughtering you, <laughs> doing awful things. But yeah, I felt like it was a similar vibe. So if you like this, I suggest The Strangers. Okay, um, so my recommendations. Uh, so they're not necessarily horror, as we all have talked about already. <laughs> Cynthia does not like horror. She's terrified of it. Um, I like psychological thrillers, so very much like uh, the situation of The Purge, I recommend watching Split. Oh, yes. Uh, We'll totally do that on this show. Uh, And then the other one, not a movie, but a TV series called You. Oh, Um, yes. If if you want to be creeped out by someone who can learn all about your life by digitally stalking you and be freaked out, go watch that show. (laughs) You pushed both of our buttons. We love them. Oh, good. Good picks. Good picks. Mine is... It's a different genre entirely, but does cover the like class structure and social issues. Uh, And that's Elysium, which is a sci-fi about rich people and poor people competing. With Matt Damon, right? (laughs) Yeah, with Matt Damon in a robot suit. (laughs) I've seen that. (laughs) Oh, boy. And that brings us to... Scaredy facts. So, (laughs) Do you want me to explain it? You go for it. So every time Shar and I watch a horror movie and get too spooked, we'll cuddle up in bed and read the trivia section of IMDb to like to like calm down and and realize that it's a movie with humans in it. So we incorporated that into our podcast where we uh, read facts about the movie we just watched. Starting us off with the budget, it was an estimated three million. So not that big opening weekend. They made thirty four million. Huge. Uh, And right now, the worldwide gross on IMDb, I feel like it's much higher now, but it's written as 89.3 million. Nice. So they were pretty successful. I want to know how much the series makes. Oh, man. I do not have that information, but I probably should have thought of that ahead of time. Because, like, (laughs) we, we keep watching Conjuring movies, and that series is just upsettingly profitable. (laughs) It's like a billion dollars or or something. So I would be interested to see how profitable The Purge is. My first scaredy fact, James DeMonaco, the director and writer of the film, got the idea for the story after his wife made a remark about an episode he had of Road Rage. (laughs) So (laughs) according to him... This like famous road rate incident happened like this. He and his wife were driving on the freeway when a drunk driver cut them off, nearly killing them. After both cars stopped, the other driver's lack of remorse enraged the director enough to engage in a fist fight and police eventually had to get involved. After the incident was over, DeMonico's wife turned to him and she said, how great it would be to have one free murder a year. Jesus. (laughs) He feels bad telling the story because she's normally a very sweet woman. (laughs) Oh, golly. That's upsetting. Yeah. (laughs) Just one free murder. Just just get it out. Just one. Just one. I imagine it's like uh, in the office when Pam tries to hold out going on vacation as much as possible, but always goes in January. Yeah. (laughs) 
Next on the list, we have Ethan Hawke is an old friend of producer Jason Blum and director James DeMonaco. So he was happy to appear in The Purge to give their low budget movie some star power. As usual, in Blum Productions, cast and crew work for scale. So they receive a percentage of the profits afterwards, if there are any. So he only took about three thousand up front. But because the movie was such a success, it's basically one of um, his most successful films. He got a lot more money. Hmm. So that's excellent for Mr. Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It probably only did really good because he did that. And you got Cersei. Come on. What are you talking about? Right. I've... Man, that I apparently don't recognize people if their hair is even slightly different. <laughs> I mean, to to be fair, she was a brunette in the movie, and she is a very, very dishwash blonde in Game of Thrones. Yes. And she also has an accent, and which this movie she does not. So yeah, I'm just notoriously bad it. at like pointing at people and recognizing a where they're from or even who they are. So. I got that Brad Pitt disease. Yeah, face blindness. (laughs) I make fun of Kelly for that all the time. (laughs) Speaking of, we actually, when we were talking about the what would we do in a real purge, the director has said that he would probably just go to Canada to hide. Hell yeah. Yeah. Go Um, us. Yeah, sure. So great. Please don't come here. I'm scared of you. (laughs) The concept of the masks was something that they wanted it to feel like a holiday so it was halloween masks it's a metaphor of the purge being a holiday celebration and they had to go through over 100 different masks before they found the right ones for the freaks Hmm. the right style is that what they're called the freaks yes Hmm. i found it funny because the only time you see one of them turn on each other is when uh, one of them in the mask starts like screaming at Ethan Hawke. And Char always talks about, I don't know if you, you can see the masks on her like yeah. island thing. Uh, she to- always talks about like in mask work, how you're not supposed to talk because it ruins like the. Uh, the if the al- mask doesn't have yeah. a, if the mask has a mouth, then you can't speak as the actor because. Yeah. The mouth doesn't move. <laughs> and I was like, well, of course that guy got murdered. He broke the mask rule about not talking in the mask. Yeah. So it made sense. You're dead, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a few more. Speaking of the freaks and the leader of the freaks. So the actor Reese Wakefield was cast as the polite leader of the home invaders one day before shooting started. So several casting sessions had been held, but all the other actors who had auditioned had like really overdone the part. And according to the director, he just played it so cool with an unsettling smile as if he had fun with it, which was perfect for the role because it reminded him of the cult dynamics of Charles Manson. Mm. And the director claims that he has had an obsession with Manson from an early age. Mm. There's another reference to it, actually, in the film. The homicidal ladies in the white dresses were based on Charles Manson's uh, followers. That's cool. I didn't know that one. Yeah. Yeah, that his. His smile looked like a mask. I don't know how someone gets that much muscle definition in their cheeks to be able to pull up the sides <laughs> of their lips. Yeah, well, ask all the actors who have played Joker. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, this is another good one. We were talking about how the boyfriend story kind of didn't really work 
with the arc of the film and the director doesn't think so either. (laughs) He said originally it was supposed to be the daughter trying to kill her dad and the studio refused to allow it. So they had to rewrite it so that the boyfriend was doing it. I would be. Oh, that sucks. Yep. Taking away the lady's agency to kill her dad. Damn it. I wonder if like, was this before like production started? Because that would generally explain why she was just missing for so much of the movie. Was that she kills the dad and then runs away for a bit? Yeah, it was before. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have two left. The Bloody Stranger. Actually, you might, Cynthia, maybe this isn't correct. So correct me if I'm wrong. The Bloody Stranger mm-hmm. later identified as Dante Bishop in the third Purge movie, who's played by Edwin Hodge every time, is the only person to appear in the first three Purge movies. Weren't you saying there was somebody um, else? So you said the you said the number three, which would be correct. The next person, um, I pull up his name, but the character was uh, was Leo, Leo Barnes. Oh, yeah. He appeared, he started in the Purge Anarchy and was also in Election oh, Okay, so he's in two. So he's so still the only guy that in is two. in all three of them. Plus yeah. he's... Frank Grillo mm. is the actor. Okay. Plus he's the ham and eggs guy from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, <laughs> I watch way too much Grey's Anatomy. So every time I see someone that's been on that show, that's the first thing that goes to my brain. <laughs> I mean, the woman who gets her nose broke at the end, she's also from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. (laughs) And my last fact, I'm very sorry. I know, listeners, you love it when we have our fun vehicle and gun facts, but there were none for this film. But I do have an interesting tidbit. I can tell you that if you want to visit this house, it's 11841 Iverson Road in Chatsworth, California. It was Chatsworth? It looks just like it. Yeah. Does anyone live there? Is that doxing someone? I don't know. It's on IMDb. I'm not doing it. That's crazy. Though that does not look like our mountains. I live on the other side, like of those oh mountains. Oh my gosh! So does not look like our mountains. <laughs> what did you do to our mountains? Oh man! But that's it. That's all my scaredy facts. Yay! Which brings us to final thoughts. You got some final thoughts for us, Cynthia? I mean, I think it's an incredible movie. If you like to just dive into the what if scenarios, it is not scary. If I was going to give you guys a scare factor between one and five, five being The Exorcist and one being uh, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Movie, it's probably about a three. There's a couple of jump scares, but like not a whole lot. So if you're a type of person like me who doesn't like horror movies, this is a good one to start <laughs> on. I think I came up with my, I usually come up with my final thoughts while we're talking. And I think that what I said about how a lot of horror series start with a short film, I think I'm more and more leaning on that where this movie sort of just the premise felt like it should have been a short film, uh, mm-hmm. but they kind of elongated it to a full movie. And going in, just expect, like, like you said, like a loose plot that sets up a universe, but also explores the idea of what if you just kill. I that's interesting that you say that, because my final thought is kind of the opposite of I really like this movie. I I felt like the pacing was pretty good. The series, though, and the whole idea behind it is what's very intriguing to me. So the whole concept, it feels weird in my brain to think about because it feels so far away, but it also feels like it could happen at any point in time. So it's very creepy for me. I mean, a Canadian purge would be boring because like not a lot of people own guns here. So it's like (laughs) beat you to death with my hockey stick. I mean, that sounds painful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's been The Purge, a movie about security theater. 
a movie that looks like it's impenetrable at first, but then it's easily impenetrable. Man, I should have thought of this ahead. Keep all this. It's fine. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Next week, we'll be watching The Wailing from 2016. And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Bye! Bye! <laughs>